Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Do you believe in ghosts? I don't, but today we're going to study a New Testament ghost story. It's not really a ghost story, but the disciples think it's a ghost. <laughs> and we're going to learn the main point from this story, Jesus walking on the water, is this. Whatever spooky, scary thing hits your boat, maybe you find out you have cancer, or your daughter is in trouble, or you lost your job, whatever hits your boat that's scary, the main point today is gonna to be, Jesus says, take heart, it is I, be not afraid. I'm bigger than any spooky thing that hits your boat. I'm going to get you through this. So would you take out your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 6, the Jesus walking on the water and the disciples think it's a ghost. Let's pray first. Father, we pray for people watching this program now and they are scared of something. And we pray, Lord, that you help them turn their eyes to heaven to see that you are bigger than any problem and you will get them through. Speak to us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 45. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of the lake, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Here's the first lesson today. Dismiss people to make room for God. That might sound a little harsh, but if Jesus always did what the crowd wanted him to do, he never would have had time for God. So in this verse, Jesus says no to the crowd and their needs to spend time alone with God. So let me ask you, do you do that? Do you make time alone with God a priority? When I was a young pastor, an old white-haired pastor said to me, Tom, you need one hour alone with the Lord every day or you'll burn out. And he said, in that hour you can pray, you can read the Bible, but, but do that, Tom. And you know, I often do. I, like today it was only 15 minutes, but I often spend one hour alone with the Lord because if Jesus needed prayer, we need prayer. I was on a radio show last week and they asked the question, what do you do to keep yourself in the world, but not of the world. And I said, I have to have my quiet time. So number one lesson, make time for the Lord. Verse 46, 47. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and Jesus was alone on the land. And Jesus saw that they, the disciples, were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, that's three in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. And now get this, he meant to pass them by. <laughs> Here's the next lesson. The Bible doesn't explain everything. This is a strange verse. What do you mean he meant to pass them by? Where would he have gone? <laughs> and 
The Bible doesn't say. It just says it. Beware of pastors who have an answer to absolutely everything. <laughs> no, no. Um, sometimes the Bible just states something, and I think it's okay to say, I don't know what that meant. You know, the Apostle Paul himself in 1 Corinthians 13 said, Now I know in part, then heaven I shall understand fully. I mean, when I, when I see some TV preachers, and they're preaching on the second coming of Christ and how it has to happen and they've got charts and graphs and I'm thinking wait a minute look how wrong we got the first coming of Christ uh, we should be ready for the second coming but it's not all gonna pan out like we think so I rem uh, probably the man that knew the Bible best that I ever knew was Maynard Force he's now gone to be with the Lord but he was an old preacher and he really studied the Bible. And I remember him preaching one, one day. He said, when I come to a difficult Bible verse, I look at it, I study it, but often I have to tip my hat to it, walk around it, and move on. <laughs> verse 49. But when they, the disciples, saw Jesus walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. Here's the next lesson. Ghosts don't exist. It says they thought he was a ghost, but it was, they were wrong. Why? Because ghosts don't exist. Please follow this. Luke 16 teaches when you die, you go to heaven or hell. You don't come back to earth. You don't get reincarnated. You don't become a ghost. You don't inhabit haunted houses. You don't live in the graveyard. You don't show up at seances and talk to death. You know, if you're a Christian, you do not try to contact the dead. You don't call 100, 900 psychic. You don't go to seances because the Bible says that's an abomination to the Lord. Ghosts do not exist. Angels exist. Demons exist. And maybe demons will masquerade as the dead. But the dead are safe in heaven or in hell. They're not ghosts. Verse 50. For they all saw Jesus and were terrified, but immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, fear not. Now here's the main lesson from the story. Conquer your fears by understanding it is Jesus. The way we get over our fear and anxiety is to realize, even though it's happened to me, Jesus is in control of this. Uh, for instance, Let's say you find out you've got cancer, or you lost your job, or your marriage is a mess. At that point, you pray for the grace and say, God, help me believe Romans 8.28. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. And think of the book of Job. Yes, Satan hit Job with all kinds of awful things. But Satan had to go before the throne of God to get permission before he could touch Job. And there's a saying, nothing can come into the life of a child of God without first going before the throne to get permission. So I want to encourage you, memorize Romans 8.28, and when something awful happens, just say, Lord, Romans 8.28 God causes all things to work together for my good. And I'm not saying all the anxiety will leave, but it'll help. Knowing that God is taking care of you, you might live longer. Uh, this was in the Minneapolis newspaper. There is a 113-year-old woman at the nursing home 
they interviewed her 89-year-old daughter, and it says this in the article, the two are rarely ill and they deal well with stress says the daughter. When something bad would happen, mom always says, well, it's in God's hands. <laughs> That's Romans 8, 28. Next verse is verse 51. And Jesus got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. Here's the next lesson. Jesus controls the weather. A few verses earlier, He's walking on water. Jesus is controlling gravity. And here he's controlling weather. Well, the only one I know who controls the laws of gravity and weather is God. In a roundabout way, this verse is teaching Jesus is God. If you want the real clear Bible verses that teach that Jesus is God, you go to John chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 2. They teach that Jesus is God. Look at verse 52. For they, the disciples, did not understand about the loaves. Jesus had just miraculously fed 4,000 with loaves. But their hearts were hardened. Next lesson. Faith in Jesus can be a process. You know, we just learned that Jesus is God, but in the boat at this point in history, do the disciples understand that Jesus is God? I don't think so. I don't think they get that till after the resurrection and Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. I got a good email from one of our TV viewers and she said this, recently on a show, you said that the disciples didn't understand Jesus was God until after the resurrection. But, didn't Peter say to Jesus in Matthew 16, you are the son of the living God? Good question. I think that is true. Yes, the disciples understood in some sense Jesus was the son of God. But did they understand that Jesus is God in the flesh? I don't think they got that till after the resurrection. In other words, Faith in Jesus can be a process. I mean, for instance, I have believed Jesus is the Son of God my whole life. But when I'm 12 years old, I go to confirmation class. The first thing the pastor taught us was the Trinity. The Father is God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit's God, one God and three eternal persons. All three have always existed as God. My hand went up. Pastor, I thought Jesus was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. He's also God the Son, the second person of the... That's when the light bulb went on for me. So my point is, coming to understand who Jesus is can be a process. Verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to a land at Gennesaret and moored in the shore. When they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized Jesus and ran about the whole region and began to bring sick people on their beds to wherever they heard Jesus was. The next lesson, obvious lesson, Jesus heals. I am struck as I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John how often Jesus heals people. And, and Christians, we need to be real open to God doing miracle healings in our church. A few years ago, I was going to a very good biblical Lutheran church having shoulder problems. And I went up to the pastor and I said, could we do James chapter 5 where you call for the elders and the anointing oil for healing? Well, it turns out this particular church didn't have elders. And 
it was it was not on their radar screen and so you know what he did he, he found an older man of his church and he and the older man came over and they anointed me well and I'm glad for it but no no listen first of all you got to have elders in your church the Bible tells us to have elders but I'll tell you what we did at the church I served for 29 years. At the end of the service, we'd say, anybody today need prayers for healing? Are you sick? Uh, do you want to, is your son on drugs? Come on up to the front, and if you need prayer for healing, there will be an elders up here, a couple elders, because it says elders, I like to have more than one, and they'll pray for your healing. I, I remember years ago, a dear pastor's wife came to the elders of my church and said, According to the doctor, I've got both of my lungs filled with tumors, and it looked like that was, it was over. She said, I want the anointing with oil. We prayed over her. We anointed her with oil. She went back to the doctor, who was amazed, and said, where are they? She lived for years after that. So let's be real open to praying for healing in the church. Verse 56. And wherever Jesus came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. Notice, it doesn't say everybody was made well. As many as touched him were made well. Here's the next lesson. God wants you to know from where your healing comes. Your healing comes from Jesus, and God wants you to know the source of your salvation, the source of your healing is Jesus. We've talked many times on this show about a horrible heresy that has invaded the liberal Protestant denominations and Catholicism too. It's a heresy called universalism that everybody goes to heaven. You don't need to believe in Jesus. Everybody goes to heaven. So I was listening to a terrible Lutheran radio program called Grace Matters put out by the liberal ELCA Lutheran Church and the pastor right on the air said because of God's grace everybody goes to heaven so I read him, wrote him a letter dear pastor Marty your teaching that everyone Hitler included will be saved makes me wonder why did so many Christians in the early church die for Christ if everyone is saved already why die for Christ I write out of concern that your teaching can hurt people for eternity. He's denying the existence of hell, which Jesus preached on regularly. So my point is, <laughs> God wants you to know from where your healing comes. It only comes from Jesus. I want to close with one last point, though. If you look back up at verse 46, it says, After Jesus took leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And my last point to you is this. Pray every day. If Jesus needed to get alone with his Heavenly Father, so do we. Make it a priority. Maybe you don't have a prayer time. Maybe start with 15 minutes a day where you read the Bible and pray. Work up your way to an hour. But if Jesus needed to pray, you better believe we do. And I'll quote again Alfred Lord Tennyson, English poet, who said, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. In other words, your prayers do more than you think, not less than you think. Your prayers do more than you think. So as we've read about Jesus walking on the water, the main point I want you to take home is get yourself in the morning or evening, whatever kind of morning or evening person you are, 
Get yourself a time like Jesus did to be alone with God. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can you tell the people what happened at the last EL, latest ELCA convention? You were talking yes. about that. Well, everybody, Jackie and I used to be part of a church that for many, many years was part of the evangelical, which is, isn't, Lutheran Church in America. It used to be a pretty good church. It has become extremely unbiblical. And Jackie, we left that denomination and joined the Free Lutheran Church, or you can join the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church, or there's, there's various good biblical branches of Lutheranism. Sadly, the largest branch is the most liberal. And Jackie, let's do a heresy update about what happened uh, this, what, a few weeks ago now at the ELCA National Convention. Four items I gotta bring up. Number one, they re-elected on the first ballot Elizabeth Eaton to be the head bishop of the church. Elizabeth Eaton told Chicago newspaper, if there's a hell, I think it's empty. So she's denying eternal hell, which Jesus preached. All right, then Jackie, as if that wasn't bad enough, they had uh, various non-Christian religious leaders on the stage. And they debated a resolution called a Declaration of Interreligious Commitment, where it says, quote, We must be careful about claiming to know God's judgments regarding another religion. All we know and all we need to know is we are called to love and serve people. Well, God bless one delegate who got to the microphone and said, basically, wait a minute, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the only way to heaven. What do you mean we don't know what God thinks of other religions? But Jackie, they went ahead and passed that smelly statement in front of the non-Christian leaders by 97%. The Lutheran Church used to believe, like the Bible teaches, you only get to heaven by faith in Christ. Well, the ELCA is... Well, they're, they're going in a different direction. Let's put it that way. All right. And you know the other thing, Jackie? The number of ELCA missionaries, and this isn't just true in the ELCA, in the liberal PCOSA Presbyterians, the United Church of Christ, the Episcopal Church, the number of missionaries these denominations are sending out has gone way down. Why? Because if everybody's saved, let's bring the missionaries home. And they are. All right. So that was, that was probably the worst thing that happened. But... It's almost as bad what they did next. There was a resolution, and they had to decide whether they were going to celebrate the ELCA's decision 10 years ago to ordain practicing homosexuals. And Jackie, that decision uh, in 2009 caused the biggest split in church history in the United States. They lost tons of members when they voted for that. They lost tons of money, and so are they going to also re-celebrate re, uh, that? And they got a, there was a lesbian ELCA pastor who's married to another lesbian ELCA pastor. She gave an a passion a plea. And so they, they voted to go ahead and celebrate their decision to ordain practicing homosexuals. Jackie, the denomination is shrinking. They had to close one of their seminaries. They had to merge another one of their seminaries. But they're plowing ahead promoting transgenderism and homosexuality. Oh, and before the people got to the microphone to debate that one, they announced their preferred pronouns. 
So it's like, hi, I'm Pastor Judy, she, her. And, and, and this is, I mean, if a man thinks he's a woman, then he wants you to call him, her. They're doing this at the Lutheran convention? Ah. All right, Jackie. Then the ELCA National Assembly voted to educate the denomination about transgenderism and, quote, the broad varieties of gender identity. Well, Jackie, Jesus said in Matthew 19, he who made them in the beginning made them male and female. There are two sexes, not according to the ELCA. And they, 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 uh, the Chicago newspaper asked Elizabeth Eaton about all this, quote, um, when we look at people's sexual orientation or gender identity, she said, it's not completely binary. Everybody isn't male or female. There's a whole spectrum to that. I think that's something new for a lot of our people to think about, but it's the truth. It's not the truth. He who made them in the beginning made them male and female. This is the strange new world of the ELCA. One last one, Jackie. The ELCA calls upon the denomination to use, quote, gender-inclusive and expansive language for God. Now, do you know what that's about? No, Let me tell you that what that's one. about. <laughs> the ELCA hymn book from years ago now, it's, they have a hymn book where they've desexed all the psalms, so they won't call God he in the psalms. It's all God, 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 God. Well, now they want, and they have a hymn in the, the Lutheran hymnal called Mothering God, You Gave Me Birth. All right. So they want more of this. And so they passed a resolution saying, we want more of this. Jackie, there is an ELCA Lutheran Church in San Francisco. It used to be called Ebenezer Lutheran Church. Now it's called Her Church because they worship the goddess and because they want to make God a woman and, and include all the feminist stuff. At Her Church, let me tell you the, the prayer that they pray. Our mother who is within us, we celebrate your many names. Wow. And, and I'm not making this up. Go to herchurch.org. The pastor, Pastor Stacy, took the women of the church on a retreat. She gave them each a piece of clay so they could form their own Asherah statue. Asherah was the Old Testament goddess that the Jews were forbidden to worship along with Baal because they're false gods. Pastor Stacy has them make a false god so they can worship the divine feminine. Pa uh, Jackie, this happened years ago, and the Bishop of California of the ELCA will do nothing to discipline that church. So this is the strange new world, and I'm going to say it. If you're an ELCA Lutheran, maybe you've been an ELCA Lutheran for 50 years. All my friends go to this church. I know. Time to jump ship. Find a good church that preaches the Bible. Give your money to a denomination which will not use your offering dollars to pay for abortion and this kind of crazy stuff that we're talking about. There you go, Jackie Albright. Well, what caused all this to happen, Tom? Oh, it, it started years... Well, I, I graduated seminary in 1979. The liberalism had started already by then, but it's just gone. I, I never thought, Jackie, the Lutheran Church would become this crazy in my lifetime. And here it is. And it all started from... start. It's, it's kind of an arrogance thing that we know better than the Bible. The Bible doesn't really say what Christians have always believed. We're more enlightened now than the Bible. And it's a low view of Scripture that brought all this in. Okay, this is kind of taking it to a different track, yeah, Tom. let's do. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, this has been interesting. I'm not trying to take it away. 
But do you have any advice for someone who's starting a prayer time? You talk about prayer time mm -hmm. being so important. Mm -hmm. How does one start doing that? Any suggestions? Yeah, good idea. You know what I would do? I would, if you can't do an hour, okay. But maybe take start with 15 minutes and say, Lord, every morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend 15 minutes with you. And in that 15 minutes you can pray, you can read the Bible. Work up to an hour. I think an hour is a, is a, good, a good thing to hit for. Or if, you do, if you're a night person, do it, do it at night. If you're, if you're super busy, one thing you can do, I do this periodically, I turn off the radio in my car, and as I'm driving for 20 minutes somewhere, I'll take that time to talk to the Lord. So just, but try to make it a habit where once a day at a certain time, I, I like to get on my knees and pray next to the bed. So just, I have a time, Jackie, in the morning when I'm alone with God, praying, reading the Bible. I also sometimes take out the guitar and sing to the Lord. You can worship the Lord. There's all kinds of things you can do to fill that hour, but he's your priority in life, so there you go. I don't go. think you should be driving, though, Tom, if you're not trying to pray at <laughs> Well, the I'm same not closing my eyes. <laughs> okay. If, a pray, if I pray for healing, but I'm not healed, okay, is it because I do not have enough faith then? You know, I remember counseling a, a guy in a wheelchair. And he, he said, I went to this uh, evangelist me, uh, service and the people stood over my wheelchair and told me to get up out of the wheelchair and I couldn't do it. And so they told me, well, if you had enough faith, you could do it. I think that is an evil thing to put on that person. Because, you know, it's, Jesus heals some people down here and sometimes some of the healing he saves for heaven. And there are people who have full faith in Christ. Johnny Erickson Tata, in her wheelchair. And I think she's doing more to witness for Christ in her wheelchair than even if God did a miracle, because she shows you can still cling to Christ through suffering. So I think that's, that's bad theology. If I am sick, Tom, can it be that God is punishing me? Yeah, we need to define this one carefully. Jackie, if you and I, if you and I got drunk tonight, and woke up with a hangover, all right, there's a connection. But on the other hand, in John chapter 9, they say, well, who, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, nobody sinned. It's for the glory of God, and he heals them. So, there you go. Okay, you want to close, Tom? Sure, everybody. Just Jackie and I want to thank you for being with us today. If you want to see more of our programs, go to pastorstudy.org. You can watch all of our shows for free there. We ask you to pray for our ministry. We're on all over the country now, but that's a lot of money. <laughs> so if the Lord nudges you to support us, you'll see an, a, an address in a minute. But we appreciate you tuning in. Pray for us, and God bless you. Till next time, we see you at the Pastor Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study. 
P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week. <music>